0: That's Guaranteed a good to
1: shake things up, like me experiencing violent turbulence on my way across the Atlantic Ocean to be here for this recording. So that was just
0: uh, that was just the shockwaves through the universe of LeBron breaking the all-time scoring record. It was
2: either way, welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome to episode 417 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. I say that in two places now, and it still sounds so cool. Um, and welcome to a brand new episode of M101. And we're talking Formula E Enderia and some bonus stuff as well. And I actually find it amazing that we are literally coming to you right now from three entirely different parts of the world right now. We're in three different continents right now that's how wild this is between the three of us on this this week's uh, this week's shows um i'm coming to you of course from london in the uk with me live from checking my notes here dubai's autodrome yeah. it's, <laughs> it's
1: rj o'connell hello rj how's it going hello uh, i'm ready i'm ready to talk about uh what everybody in dubai autodrome wants to talk about you know nikki lauda uh, was once read his last rights after a terrible accident at the Nürburgring Nordschleife and then came back weeks later to finish out the 1976 Formula One season, finishing a runner-up at the championship before going on to win its second title the year after. It's often cited as one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sport. But why aren't we talking about Nikita Mazepin coming back from career threatening cancel culture? Kill him. <laughs> Kill him.
0: <laughs> I want him dead. I want his house burned to the ground.
2: Get it with fire. kid it before it breeds. Um, what, what are we doing here?
1: RJ, um, what are, what are, what are the, you doing? The serious doing in answer is that I am I'm actually covering the, uh, I'm helping cover the Asian of Lamar series for a multitude of platforms. Hmm. Uh, there was a favor asked of me. I figured, why not get out of the house a little more? It's, uh, it's, it's strange just stepping outside, uh, looking outside the hotel room and like, bam, racetrack right over (laughs) there. This is going to be Silverstone in like three months time when
2: people start filing out for the British Grand Prix. Now they've got an actual hotel on the site. Fun fact, it's only £10. Can you book
1: rooms for that?
2: Yeah. Like, apparently, it's only £10 more for a view of the track. I mean, you've had... You've had to take out a mortgage payment to be able to afford the tickets in the first place. But
0: I say it'd be chump change
1: for those people.
2: Exactly. If you're spending 1500 quid for decent British Grand Prix tickets, you can afford to spend another tenner and get yeah, quality window service.
1: That's worth it.
2: Oh, yeah. Like all we need now is to review three different types of food at three different price points, and then we've got worth it covered. Um, but also with me, coming to you from the good old United States of America, it's Cam Buckley. Hello, Cam.
0: Hi. Uh, I'd just like to announce my departure from the M101 Network as a result of RJ's absolute heresy. I'm not <laughs> apologizing. Um, Double fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can't believe you just said that on air. Mm. Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna take a flight. I'm a, I'm gonna go lace up my black Tiffany Air Force Ones and kick him to death.
1: You know, you know that they offer a uh, a nonstop flight from from Logan to Dubai. Yeah. Really? You know, you know now, at
2: least. <laughs> oh, so in other words, you're encouraging violence on on our beloved on, our, on our beloved no, RJ. I'm, just,
1: I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like isolated outside of work for the next couple of weeks. I just need <laughs> social interaction outside of my work group. You know. Can recording a couple of podcasts help? I think it will because Good idea. we we we've got to have a dialogue not about Nikita Mazepin. We've got to have a dialogue about Formula E championship frontrunner Pascal Verlein after the Deria E pre-double header. But we've also got to have a little bit of a dialogue about things that are going on in Formula 1.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, this was originally going to be a podcast just talking about the uh, Deria double, as I like to call it, the two races we had uh, in, in, in Saudi Arabia this past weekend. I also wanted to talk about Mohammed Ben Sulaim, the president of the FIA. And we've not talked Formula One on this show for a little while now because they're in, well, the longest off season they've had in a good few years.
0: Um, yeah, because- yeah, right now we're just in the middle of a uh, car reveal season, which is to say hour and a half long last year's car livery reveal season.
1: Everybody says they miss the days when Formula One car launches were big bullshit, bloated up events with a whole bunch of fucking nothing going on to fill in the time. Mm. And well, you got it. And as it turns out, people don't miss it that much.
2: And Ford is back. Ford is back in a tie up with Red Bull (laughs) Racing. I mean, it's funny. I mean, We were talking about overblown, fluffy presentations, and Red Bull was the undisputed king of that last week with a... 90 minute long presentation including a 40 minute countdown sequence and the ford news already leaking the night before thanks to the italian media and ford not sending them an embargo with the the italian
1: media got one right for a change what a time to be alive
2: yeah they got it on the nose and ford forgot to put an embargo in the press release whoops um so way to go then um (laughs) So, of course, the Italians took the ball and ran with it, as they have every right to do, and there's no embargo on the news story. Um, And yeah, everybody had, had revealed the exact same car as last year, with no real surprises, and yeah. Like, the car looks exactly the same, but hey, Ford's a thing now. They're going to be helping out with Red Bull's powertrain and um, battery and ERS side of the uh, hybrid power unit for 2026. And they'll be supplying Alphatari as well. So um, my
0: Ford is best Ford because it's an energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by EcoBoost. But, no, uh, it's, it's a smoothie cam. <laughs> well, if we combine them together, what do we get?
1: Mm. um we we get um we get time being a flat circle yeah, right welcome back snicker. to jaguar racing huh eh? welcome back Stuart grand prix let's go <laughs> as you do
2: um but we i mean we wanted to talk predominantly about their fia president Mohammed ben Sulaim at the moment because well it's not been a great January for the man. If we're being honest, um, he's, no, kind of,
1: I'd he's heard about I'd heard bits and pieces about this, but I don't know, like the full gritty details. But it seems like he's had a rough week, uh, a rough I would week argue. Week. Yeah, I'd argue like it's, it's, it's uh, actually, had a situation where he was arguably being positioned. He didn't help his case, but it's clear that like he, he wasn't in a winnable position in either in either state.
2: No. Um, For those who who haven't kept up with this, with these multiple stories over the month of January, I'll fill you in real quick on what has actually happened. Earlier on in January, there was a Bloomberg report that rumoured that the Saudi Arabia investment group was potentially tabling a $20 billion offer to buy Formula One. That's obviously from Formula One management, the commercial rights holders of the sport, Mohammed ben Saim took to Twitter as president of the FIA and was critical of the report, saying that uh, it was an inflated price tag and that anyone that's coming in to buy the sport should have a long-term sustainable plan um, and that circulating deals around an inflated price tag was a bad idea, potentially. Um, Formula One didn't like that and basically released a statement with the lawyers involved to all the teams saying, shut the fuck up, Mohammed Ben Sulaim. You're potentially hurting our company's value when you make statements like this. Um, so that didn't go down well with Mohammed Ben Sulaim. About a week later, somebody used the Wayback Machine on his old website and found comments from, I think it was 2001, on his old website...
1: To K pop Stan uh, defamation tactics here. Oh, yeah. To to get this across.
2: Yeah, the Wayback Machine. His old website website blogs from 22 years ago. And in it, there was a sexist comment in there that said, "Um, I don't like women that think they are smarter than men. That didn't go over well. Um, no,
0: no. Very think. normal thing to say. Jesus Christ.
2: Um, apparently, the teams did not like that one bit, and some were calling for the man's head in terms of his FIA presidency on top of the statements potentially hurting the sports value. And now in the last 24 hours, it's been... Um, and now, yeah, it's even official. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure who who's published it. Adrian Wojnarowski
1: reporting that Mohammed bin Soleim has stepped down.
2: Yes. And only the third
1: biggest Woj bomb of the week.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? But um, yeah, essentially, Mohammed um, bin Soleim is stepping back from day to day running of Formula One as a governing body. Um, remind me who's the next point of contact again? Because I know they're going to have the um, president of the Single Seat Commission now be the go-to contact. Nicholas uh, yes. Tomasis. That's yeah, the-
0: Nicholas Stamos. It he basically was they created a role for this exact purpose.
2: Yeah, and now- he's
0: in the one. Now he's the, the his email to the teams. Uh, MBS's email to the teams is more or less passing on the information to contact Nicholas instead of himself. Right. So <laughs> this is where we are. This is where we're at right now. Um.
2: Now. <laughs> Safe to say, it's not been a, a great month for Mohammed. Um, it's 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 an interesting story in that it's pretty clear there is beef between the FIA and Formula One management. Um, I know for a fact that there has been a lot of under the under the table backlash against him pushing for an eleventh team in Formula One as well, because he's not even mentioned that that they are opening up the formal process to invite teams to take part in 2025 to 27. And we all know who's top of that list um, to potentially enter the sport in as soon as two years' time, probably not 25. 26 is obviously a lot more likely with the new um, regulations regarding the sport. Yeah. But um, what have you made of all of this then? Especially, I mean, i will got to Cam first on this one because it keeps me leaving a bit, a bit more track of it than, than RJ has, but this is wild.
0: I don't really think... I think that the the media is kind of running around making a much bigger deal of it than it actually is. To a degree. This was part of his manifesto, basically, from day one in getting elected to the position that he's in in the FIA. Mm. The whole point was for him to be hands-off of F1 so he could focus on being president of the FIA. Only the guy in charge of single-seaters last year quit his job. Mm. That's why now Nicholas... um, is in that role now so that he can be that guy who has the direct liaison between formula one and the FIA. Um, And regardless of how much FOM and Liberty and the teams hate how he's been approaching, especially things with Andretti where teams are never going to vote up to give up their piece of the pie, regardless of the overarching effects on the sport. There's not a whole lot they can actually do about him. Right. What this is being made to look like is that FOM and their backlash is bullying him out of being hands on with the FIA and F1. That is not the case. No. This was always on the table. It just happens to come at a particular time where it looks like that because Liberty more or less has been throwing out votes of no confidence publicly against him since he's been trying to strong arm them into allowing more teams into the sport.
1: Wasn't there a yeah. rumor that like, they were just straight up willing him to not just like move him into this hands-off role, but just straight up replace him as head of the, Oh FIA. yeah. They want and him out. They David want him Richard. gone.
0: They want him gone. There, yeah. there are, there are at least half the grid actively wants him gone. And <sighs> that's why they've been putting out all the statements into the media to Try and they're they're kind of in a battle of the public court of opinion where they're just leaking out statements to try and fuck over one another.
2: Mm. It's it's gotten ugly, and yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Cam. This is ugly stuff. The and for added context, for those who may not know that in the internal political workings on here, it's it's important to point out, Mohammed Ben Sulaiman winning the FIA presidency was an upset. It was considered an upset. He's, he's not an FOM guy. He was not groomed into this sort of election process like the FOM normally does where one of their guys ends up becoming president. Mohamed Ben-Siddiyem winning the presidency was a bit of an upset. And his background is rallying, not Formula One. Um, so naturally, the FIA has... And, uh, and naturally, Mohamed Ben-Siddiyem not going to be Formula One's most knowledgeable area of expertise. And it's easy to forget that the FIA runs a lot more than Formula 1. It's a governing body for multiple championships like the WEC, Formula E, the Road to F1, the karting series. I think
0: that's the most important component here, Dre. Mm. What you mentioned is that he is not beholden to Formula 1 more than he is any other series that the FIA governs. And the FIA governs a hell of a lot of motorsport. Correct. And... Formula One, and, and I think we'll talk about it quite a bit more as we get into Formula One season, kind of how that entry process for new teams looks yeah. um, relative to the value of the sport. Formula One running around sowing chaos as its own entity, mm. gatekeeping other entrants out, and using what we have on fairly good authority is artificially inflated values to then pump up their own values that is detrimental to all of motorsport correct and mbs is beholden to all of motorsport it is his job to make sure not just formula one and fom but all of the series that the fia govern are healthy and are successful and have room to grow correct
2: this, this, this is the one I was getting at, Hank. I think a lot of people have already turned against Mohammed Ben Seraim in the court of public opinion regarding his FIA presidency. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with all of those statements because it is complicated. But here's what I will say, in, in order. First and foremost, in regards to the sports value, he was absolutely right to make the comments that he made. A hundred percent. Liberty Media only bought this sport out six years ago, and it was for four point seven billion dollars. Like, are you telling me this sport is now worth four to five times what it was in just six years? I and that the
1: Saudi government is gonna bid on it. Like, what is this WWE?
2: Like I, I don't buy that for a second, and I do, and I don't know where they're getting the idea that a company that turns over two billion a year and made seven hundred and fifty million in profit is worth twenty five times that yearly profit. I, I think that's crazy talk. First and foremost, I do not think it's worth. And I've watched enough episodes of Shark Tank to know that that's a crazy valuation. Well, we just
0: got a we just got an evaluation from Forbes, and it's not worth twenty billion. No. It's worth around 17, and that is based around potential. potential. That's not based on current hard value. Yeah, and I think there
2: is something to the potential argument, but at the same time, oh, yeah. I also don't think it's suddenly worth four times what it was that quickly. And yes, like the potential ramifications of a sport that is suddenly worth, in someone's eyes, five times more than what it was six years ago, are huge. Teams are going to want a bigger slice of the pie because their stake is now worth even more than what they thought it was going to be worth. The value goes on to things like track promoters. Our government's going to be, be prepared to flip the bill if the if the sport raises sanctioning fees, for example. You know, there's a bunch of political and financial ramifications that come if the sport suddenly has a $20 billion price tag on it instead of a 4.7, 4.8. That's, it's even random. Let's call it 5 billion value instead. Yeah. The, the, like, so I think Mohammed Ben Salim was absolutely right to make the comments that he made, but in a court, in the court of public opinion against the teams and that's, and like, I, I'm the teams were never going to root for one of their own or, or not root for someone that isn't one of their own. I should say yeah, they're, they're never,
0: the, the Turkey's never going to vote to go in the oven. No. um, And in this case, You've got these teams that already have slices of the pie. Mm -hmm. They're under a current Concord agreement regarding uh, Andretti and any other new entity that wants to get in that doesn't want to buy an existing team Mm. uh, like Audi officially has bought into Sauber as of uh, about a week ago. Yep. Might already stake. Um, You're on a current Concord agreement. The entry fee is $200 million, the anti-dilution fee. Yeah. Well, the teams want that to be a minimum of two to three times higher really sure. more like far more than that mm. um these were hurdles that were never meant to be cleared and michael andretti ha- and his team have repeatedly decided hey any obstacle you put in the way anywhere you want to move the goalposts, we will move to in order I will to get into on this. one
1: foot it will be no factor yeah <laughs>
0: exactly um for all the rcr fans out there yeah and the, the $200 million anti-dilution fee was never meant to be cleared. Yeah. Andretti would. So then they said, oh, well, he needs an OEM to bring additional value. So he got General Motors, one of the biggest OEMs on planet Earth. Well, by opening that entry, uh, the entry process into new potential teams, and we all know Andretti is the biggest of that set right now. What you get is you then force FOM, who do have the final say, to be beholden to that Concord Agreement. Because if they wait, and if they continue to peddle the values currently bandied about, we can go to the next Concord Agreement. they can just say, yeah, we can charge you whatever we want.
1: Mm. Are we sure it's not Calvin Lowe and Panthera Asia that are atop top of that list? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's I don't think a funny so. joke. I don't think so somehow. But yeah, what Cam's saying is 100% spot on. Um, as... You know, but of course a lot of people were very quick to turn on him on Mohammed Ben Salim for his comments and basically say, Hey, you know, your effing role, etc." And, you know, as governing body really, guy, which is just crazy.
0: Which okay, is Travis re- Kelsey. Which is really not I mean which is really not the way to do it either. I mean mm. but he lost probably a big section of the people who would support him by banning all political statement from drivers, which has since been backtracked on because it's just fucking unnecessary.
1: Yeah, um, I, I never imagined that the that the most outspoken party in this regard would be Red Bull Racing, given the conjecture that is made from people who don't like Red Bull about their team and the and the way and the things that they stand for. Right, and
2: <laughs> it, 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 and of course. It was the Times that were the newspaper, the right wing newspaper in the UK that used the Wayback Machine on Mohammed Ben Salim's old website. And they were like, Ha, gotcha. Now, let me just clarify something here as well. None of us here endorse Mohammed Ben Salim's comments about Absolutely women from 2001. Not. They are sexist, misogynistic, bullshitty comments that have no place in any modern day society. Now, I wouldn't normally be reactionary like this. But I'm going to use the word "however" here, and I say "however," and I'm going to be very careful in how I word this. But here's what I would say in response to that: Number one, these comments were 22 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I if I don't know how long of a quote, if there should be an expiration date on a take. However, I would like to think with Mohammed bin Salim's actions since becoming FIA president. He has learned to grow as a human being since then. Whether you still want to hold his previous comments against him is ultimately down to you as a person. But I would like to think, and this is not me exonerating him, but since he's become FIA president, he's become the first president to hire a woman as CEO, and he's promoted multiple women into positions of power within the FIA. I would like to think his actions speak more now than his comments of 22 years ago. Again, if you, it depends on how you look at it individually. I can't tell you how you should feel about these comments, but I would like to think to give him the full context of what's happened since those websites' comments. I, I feel like it's only fair I do him at least partial justice and mention that. And like I said, one more time, we do not condone those comments from the past. One hundred percent, they no. are sexist bullshit. <laughs> but I feel like it's important to give him the full context. Um, for a lot of the team bosses, that was a death sentence. Basically, it was like that on top of the F one comments.
0: Oh, that's uh, that free. That's re- it's free real estate for them. They oh, yeah. already don't like the guy. He's already trying to take a slice of their pie when it comes to the, you know, the money payout from formula one, Mm. that's all the ammunition they needed.
1: Yeah. Ben Silliam is a very blunt dude in general. Like, Mm -hmm. like he gave an interview with Dirtfish, uh, ahead of the Monte Carlo rally where he basically said, I've been dragged. I'm being very straight and honest. I've been sucked into formula one. Like it's, it's something that he just doesn't want to deal with.
0: Yeah. And I think to that effect as well in, you know, public perception being nine tenths of the law. A lot of people are looking at the FIA as the cops here, and they're not incorrect. No, the problem is that the teams are also the cops. They're just other cops. Yeah,
2: it's 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 political arming. It's a dick measuring contest from both sides of the aisle. It's a bit like modern day British politics, to be honest with you. Um, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm tuning into a House of Parliament session right now, only with race cars, order, order, etc. Um, and that's basically how I feel about all of this. Um, you know, I. Whether you, like, I I suspect your view on this news about Mohammed Ben Salim today strictly depends on which set of cops do you like more, because if you're more prepared to give the FI the benefit of the doubt, you can easily say, well, this structure's been in the process this whole time. Formula One, apparently behind the scenes have said that this is all reactionary based on what's happened in the last three weeks. Who do you want to believe? That's ultimately down to you, listener. Um, But I again, I completely. I mean, it's easy for us to say that the media is making a bigger story of this than it is when we've dedicated twenty minutes to it on this show. So
0: you know, who's the idiot here, really? But you know, we've just made a twenty-minute-long big deal to tell you how little of a deal this actually is. You're we all worked welcome.
1: ourselves into a shoot. We worked ourselves into a shoot, brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> but in the,
0: like, with that, with that in mind, should
2: we tell the people where you can find us first before we get into the meat and potatoes of Formula E? I think Let's that'll be. Let's do a- that. I think that'd be a good idea. You can places you can find us. are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles are at dre underscore WTF1 at RJ O'Connell and at cbuckley917. Um, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of these episodes um, before they go out to the public 10 for the supporters club of our discord server where you can listen to them live as they're being recorded and contribute in the chat as well if you're that way inclined you can find all of those details and more on our website motorsport101.com <laughs> right we've put we've put this off no longer cam start the helicopter let's talk about e in indiria
1: we Need to have a dialogue about Pascal Verlein. We need to have a
0: dialogue about Porsche's Gen 3 powertrain.
2: Yeah, safe they to say. Race. Yeah, safe to say this was Pascal Verlein's weekend. Porsche kept up their 100% winning record on the season with a double victory in Deria. Pascal also made history in the first race. His battle with Jake Dennis for second was the first time. The top two in a Formula E race was earned from outside of the top eight, given they started ninth and eleventh on the grid, respectively. Neither of them made the duels. race. Pace, yeah. Neither of them made the duels in their respective qualifying sessions, and first, and they still finished first and second. I think I think I'm right in saying Porsche has now been one and two in all three races so far this and season. And it's been as well. these two drivers. It's been these two. It's been Verline and Dennis all three times over. Um, as entered, both men finished one-two in both of these races as well, with Sam Bird in race one and Rene Rast in race two fitting out the podiums on both occasions. Now, I wonder which one of the three of us I'm gonna point this towards first. Anyone wanna hazard a guess? Um, Cameron, what the fuck is going on at Porsche? <laughs>
0: um, I'll tell you what happened this weekend. Pascal Verline passed some fucking cars.
1: Mm. We, t- we kept saying it and he listened and it's coming good at just the right time. I'd like to announce
0: um, that we are all getting a mulligan on our championship picks this year because DS Powertrains has <laughs> catfished <laughs> all of us. <laughs> oh, Lord. More <laughs> um, on them in a bit. Yes, yeah, we got catfished in our preseason testing uh, Ma- coverage. Massively.
2: Holy yeah, shit. I
0: mean, <sighs> Porsche's race pace has just been destructive in all three races i mean the way pascal won these two races this weekend was just driving up behind someone forcing them to destroy their battery percentage and then just driving around them and driving off into the distance
2: it's race two i think was the even like was like the greater example of this in my opinion where like Pascal Verline didn't have to do as much work in race two, because I think he started fifth as opposed to ninth. Yeah. Um. And he just sat there for the first half of the race and just basically let both McLarens, because it was Raston Hughes leading the way in the first half of that race with Mitch Evans in third. And he just said, like, I'm just going to say three or 4% more usable battery power than all of you guys in front. I'm going to let you guys burn your batteries out trying to break away from me. And I'm just going to pick you all off one by one. And that's exactly what Verline did. It was effortless from Pascal. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, And,
0: and, and really the biggest thing around this is that Porsche's minimum speed performance, their low speed grip and traction is so good, they just don't need to burn as much energy to get the lap time out of the car. It's incredible.
2: It's, it's it's like they're driving like a completely different stand of car compared to everybody else. And we've been scratching around. I mean, that's a potential reason. Like people were scratching around at the time. thinking, How the hell have Porsche gotten this so right compared to everybody else? Because as we alluded to, it's not just Pascal. Jake Dennis has been fantastic again so far this season. He's now up to six races in a row. Where he's finished 4-4 four, four better going through last I season. Say-
0: First race, we had all four cars in the top six. Uh, first race this weekend, or er, first weekend, mm. all four cars in the top six. And then the first race here, everyone had good pace. Uh, unfortunately, DaCosta got game ended on uh, turn one, that, thanks yeah. to uh, Mitch Evans. Mitch, um, and bruh. I don't want to derail this podcast because if I start <laughs> about him, I'm not going to stop. Uh, just <laughs> game-ending Rene Rast into turn one and stacking up half the field behind them. Uh, Good job, bud. Keep on that energy. They they would, but but it was was
2: coming out of his car too quickly. Um.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there were thoughts that potentially the cold weather has been helping them, but as Sam Smith was talking about on the race, it's just their low speed is so good Mm. that they don't need to burn the same amount of energy to make the same lap time. I mean, consistently through the both races, Pascal and Dennis were two, three percent clear of everyone around them.
2: Yeah, the the only real other outlier was Sam Bird in race two, where he was like, "Oh, I'm just four percent higher than most of the field." Like, huh? <laughs> just yeah, like- he
0: learned from the first race being hunted down by Pascal. He just had better energy management in the second race.
1: <laughs> this look, race one looked like it was going to be Sam Bird's day to to get back in the W column, and then Pascal Berline just. Took his lunch money in the yeah. final ten laps of the race.
2: Just dangled him upside down. I mean, it's not hard given how short the man is, poor guy. But um, wow. like, uh, just, just, just dangling him upside down, and all, and his wallet just fell out. It was, it was just rough. And then after the safety car in race two, went wide on the restart when he probably would have had an easy podium otherwise. Um, that ended up going to Rene Rast instead. And uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the rest of the field
0: in just a moment. But yeah. Rene Rast is still Rene fast.
2: Yeah, man, man, man could still drive. Um, great, great weekend from him. More than I was unlucky in race one that he was on the receiving end of a, shall we say, hearty shove from Mitch Evans. Um, Is but,
0: that what he calls it?
2: W- <laughs> I was, I was trying to be nice. Um, I, I, I suspect I was being a bit too generous there, but we'll we'll call it a hearty shove. Um, and yeah, uh, was the victim of that. But again, came back well. Got got on the podium in 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 race two and yeah like their first podiums as a team in in Formula E for 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 the McLaren boys and Jake Dennis got his first pole position for the team as well in uh in Jules race one so yeah oh, sorry race two I should say he was he was on he was on pole for race two he's like uh, his qualifying so far this season has gone third second first for Dennis so is he Dennis, sorry Hughes he's going up in the right direction I'm getting my Jakes mixed up as well um, too many
0: Jakes.
1: It,
2: <laughs> too many jakes not too it's too many jakes around here well, but, it's, uh, it's
1: different it's we have a jake surplus now remember when we had an oliver surplus
2: we did we, we, we were, and, and, now one, and now
1: one of them's on, uh working television for this series and the other is like uh managing one of the other teams behind the scenes
2: yeah oliver ask you the tv pundit that's something i never thought i would say uh, off the back of a couple of years ago but here we are uh but yeah just sensational performances from, from Verline and Dennis. It's, it's already looking ominous for the state of the season. Given if you take Dennis away, the next nearest man in the championship is 31 points back. We've only done three races and Sebastian Bwemi is best of the rest in third. Um,
1: remarkably dude. consistent cam. You sure there were, there was some hesitation about whether or not Porsche wants to stick around. You want to rethink that? Um.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> we'll get back to you
1: after Hyderabad, the
0: first. We'll, well, I'll get back to you after we see how the uh, nine hundred and sixty three does in its next race. Because uh, more on that in the next episode.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: um, more on that's uh, coming up could, real soon. It could be, it could be a Hydra good weekend. Yeah.
1: For uh, for,
0: uh, for our portion, you know, you know who didn't have a good weekend. You know who hasn't had a good year so far. Anyone Francis. with DS powertrains,
1: <sighs> Still is oh,
0: so bad. <laughs>
1: they stink
2: between the DS Petskis and the Maserati MSG team. Nine points between them through the first three races.
1: Nine points, seventh they've and ninth in the
0: constructors, respectively. <laughs> they've been devoid of pace and energy management.
2: Yeah, this is this, again. We said it in our season preview. We beat our chests very loudly about this with Sasha, but we were adamant that DS was going to take at least one of these titles. We, we thought the the DS reputation from their TCH days would carry them forward. The, the testing rumors were strong. That the, the Robin Freins was adamant. That the DS team had the best powertrains going. That was That's the right. murmurs in the paddock.
1: That's um, got right. Got catfished. And you know what we did? We decided. All right, Jay Pensky. It's now or never. Now it's only three races into a sixteen-week season. Mm. I'm not saying that we're we're overreacting to just a rough three race patch, but what the fuck? <laughs> what and the they hell? Just- we just, they've
0: shown nothing.
2: It's not even like they've got regen problems. I don't they look particularly out of place in that department. There's just no speed. Like, they are struggling across the board. Like, the race pace isn't really there. I mean, Vern was okay in Mexico, but then fell at the end. I mean, again, seventh in race, one in Deiria was about as good as it got. I mean, both Maserati's crashed in qualifying like Mortara didn't finish the first two races. Um f- you know Max Gunther Gunther didn't the- start the first one. Yeah, because yeah. he damaged his car after a qualifying wreck, he broke the tub. Um, apparently he had to stay up till three in the morning in the garage to try and fix it for the second race on on, on Saturday. A roster had to get the burgers in for the team, which I my first thought was where the hell are they getting burgers in Deria from? Um so like so J Shaq. Was- of course, yeah, no, no in and outs in the area, of course, but uh, they had to get the burgers in to, to to appease the crew that was working through the night to fix Gunther's car. Um, but he still has not scored a point this season. Um, Van Dorn has got one point to his name after finishing tenth in Mexico. Verne has six from his like. Two-thirds of all the points for anybody on the DS powertrain was Jev finishing seventh in the first race in Deria and he didn't look like he was particularly going to win. Rough times in the DS camp.
0: I'd say Vandoorne, Van Dorn, defending champion. Um currently is on the same number of points as Dan Ticktum
1: for Neo. Which is one. Yeah. Maserati MSG racing after three races have cleared the low have cleared the subterranean bar of being just better than a team that was dead last year and a team that can't stay out of the grave despite all their best efforts to be bottom feeders. Mm. Yeah, the Apt team are brand new on the
2: scene and we've expected them to be bad. And they have been. And Neo, who have got a very fast car over a single lap, they are good enough to, I reckon, at least make a final of a duel. All right. They, they are good enough to do that. But their regen in, in terms of their race trim is off. I was going
0: to say, uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Nico Muller unironically getting beaten by Kelvin van der Linde, who's standing in.
2: Yeah. Kelvin van der Linde stood in last minute, brought the car home, you know, didn't do anything reticulately out of place. And that's fine. Because honestly, what APT Cupra need right now is runtime more than anything else. Because they, that they've not had a lot of time to test their car out. So just just bringing the car home was the bare minimum you'd expect from Vanderlinder, and he's been fine in that regard. And yeah, you can't can't say much fairer than that from Kelvin, um, on this occasion. And who knows, he might have to stand in a bit more over the next few rounds because uh, we. <laughs> We underestimated how bad Robin Friend's injury was in Mexico. Let me tell you. Um, I had a chat with friend of the show and one of the best former heads in the business, Hazel Southall, about this. Um, i I did notice on social media that they were making quite a big quite a large amount of fuss for what seemed like a broken wrist until I was told apparently the bone was sticking out of his hand. nice. um. Apparently Robin was in agony. He had to be rushed straight to the hospital to do to, to to obviously get that fixed. ASAP. I was told in no uncertain terms could be a season ender.
1: Oh, that sucks. I don't even know how you it didn't even look that bad at first glance.
2: It didn't. And yet, apparently it was like emergency surgery level bad. Um Ugh. So get well fast. soon, Robin. Um, that is horrible news um, to hear, um, because Robin is one of the staple dudes in Formula one of the fastest dudes in the series. And well, he knew... Go- one of the best drivers that hasn't won a
1: championship yet. Oh,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. 100% agreed. And one of the fastest dudes in the series, he's already left a good Virgin racing team, one that clearly has got... Something because bwemi has been pretty damn good so far this season um, in his new home. So the, clearly the car is good, but he walked away from them at the end of last season to take this punt on bringing Cooper back up the field, and it's it's this season might be a write off for Robin, which is horrible news to hear off the back of what could have been quite an exciting move. So yeah, get well soon, Robin, from all of us here. Um, that's a that's a brutal one, but a few more observations on the state of the field so far. I mean,
0: McLaren. Like uh, very fast. It's the, the fastest cars in qualifying, I would say. We can
1: give them all the golden cocks we want, but at the end of the day, Zach Brown just keeps getting away with it.
0: He does. Um it's it, it's a fast
2: car, certainly over a single lap. I don't think their regen is quite there with the big hitters just yet. Um, but it's not a million miles away, is what I would say, and it looks like they are good enough to challenge for podiums consistently. And that's a pretty good start for a brand new team. Right?
0: Oh, yeah. Brand you new, know. he says.
2: Well, it's... <laughs> okay. It's not... I mean, they inherited the reigning champions, but it's still, you know... I say they're their own... kicking
0: the crap out of Nissan. Nissan have been nowhere so far.
2: Yeah, Nissan... I remember they are the customers of the Nissan Formula E team. Nissan's been dog shit so far this season. Sasha
1: is trying his best he's, he's carrying the team on his on his tiny little legs and arms <laughs> <laughs> Sasha is trying god bless he needs back surgery already and he's like 23 years old god bless
2: him he brought home the team's first points in race two in dirio with my finishing eight four very precious points for the nissan team um to get them through this this past weekend but uh, it's not been great in the Nissan Formula e team. they're down in eighth in the constructor standings right now compared to their customers the McLaren team that are 53 points and have run in third comfortably in third it's uh not a good look for the Nissan boys in general I'd say Envision looked pretty good wemy has been pretty consistent so far I don't think they.
1: I think it was proven that Sebastian Bwemi just needed a change of scenery because Mm -hmm. whatever spark he and Renault E. Dams had back in the day was clearly lost as the years dragged on. When Mm. it became Nissan E. Dams and then just Nissan.
0: Yeah, it's he's left. He's gone to another team. He's been solid, Mm. and Nissan are just nowhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bremi's had a pole position already. He was on pole in race one. Couldn't quite hold on to the lead, but still finished fourth, their best result of the season so far. Um, he's not dropped out of the top six all season, which is a good start for Bwemi. Cassidy's not a million miles behind. Um, been a bit unlucky with the way races have yeah. played out for him, but we know we he's know. Still, he's
1: good. Win. Nick Cassidy will get a win under less bullshit circumstances than his first one came.
2: Oh, I, I, I agree. It, it should have really been in New York last year, but we all know what happened there. Um, uh, but, you know, like Envision, I think, is right up there. Um, certainly. Um, if, Lupus Jay is such Penske, an outlier. Jay
1: Penske, like, you are running out of time to be invited <laughs> to the family cookout again.
2: Definitely. Um, Jaguar. Jaguar are not bad. Like they, Again, they've clearly Stanley got some... Got pace. They've got pace. They like and and they they, Sam Bird proved they can save some battery life. That's certainly been proven. They can do that.
0: Uh, it, It kind of goes like their regen can be as good as the Porsches. The McLaren can be as fast as the Porsches. Nobody has both.
2: Yeah, it's one or the other at the moment. Um, and Bird had to give up a chunk of his race pace to be able to save that much battery, and it showed down the stretch. And then, well, sadly, he made a mistake when he had a golden chance to tra- challenge for the win, um, po- post safety car. So that was unfortunate, but it feels like Jaguar are already going to be bridesmaids again in formulary. Um, it's like, yeah, we're good, but we can't quite win a title, it's a problem. Um, Mahindra have been completely carried by Lucas Degrassi's Mexico City race because I think they look dog shit otherwise. Uh,
0: horrible, Deria.
2: Yeah, like they were horrible. They were absolutely nowhere all weekend long, in Deria. I don't know what happened between there and Mexico City. To be fair, we all know Lucas got a little bit lucky in Mexico with the way the duels played out, but even so, um, big disparity there between between Mexico City and Deria. We've talked about the Pensy guy struggling. Nissan stink. Neo are fast over a lap, and Cooper are struggling. I mean, it's it's a weird one, and I mean, I think we'll know more about the state of the field after this weekend in Hyderabad. Uh, that is a much more what I would say conventional formulary e race as we go because Formula E race races into the summer. It's normally a lot warmer. They're expecting it to be around thirty degrees Celsius in in Hyderabad this weekend. Much more
0: representative as far as temperatures.
2: Yeah, it Man. was only it was only six in Mexico and it was in the minus six by the time the races were over in Diria. So this is gonna be a much better representation of what Formula E is at the moment. So if we if you want a good idea of the landscape of the field and the lay of the land, we'll probably know a lot more after this weekend. If if Porsche are up the front there too. Cancel Christmas. This could be a very short season. Um, it, it could very easily become a two-man fight for the title between Dennis and Verline, which would be a problem, to say the least. Yeah, um, you might think so. Well, a problem for maybe the neutral viewer, but for Cam, he's he's loving life right about now. Uh, there
1: is there is no substitute. To borrow an <laughs> old Porsche marketing slogan.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, and and we'll see how Hyderabad gets on this coming Saturday uh, for the, their first foray into India. Hopefully it works out. It's a great market for them to potentially crack. So I, I do hope it's a good weekend on that one. We've already told you where to find us, and that was half of the show, so I'm not going to bother running all that social media down just 20 minutes again after the last time. But uh, just wanted to say thank you very much for listening on with us. Stick around for the next episode. It will be on... Some 24-hour race in Florida. Um, It it was a hot one, to say the least. Uh, Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all.
0: Do we have to talk about the Rolex 24?
1: Yes, yes, we we do. We need to have a dialogue. We we need to talk about the four words that every woman wants to hear. Here comes James Allen.